want to learn how to see and share Jesus from all of Scripture, well, learn with us at the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast. Welcome to the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast. I'm Josh Redberg, joined again on the podcast by John Aiken and Jeff Hay. Last week, we looked at the author of Hebrews' pastoral reminder to focus on Jesus in verses 1 through 6. The author follows this command with an extended discussion of the generation of Israelites that died in the wilderness. Jeff, how would you summarize what the author is doing here in the rest of chapter 3, so beginning in verse 7 and down through verse 19? So he's been teaching us to consider Jesus, verses 1 to 6. He is the uh, far superior to Moses, and we're to consider him. uh, And we are then to hold on to our hope in him. And verse 6 does open up with sort of the question, we are his people, we are his house. If we hold on to the, the confidence, if we hold on to the hope in Jesus, if we keep trusting in him, and so the rest of chapter three begins with the therefore. Uh, mm-hmm. If we are to hold on to him, here is how that's going to happen. And I don't know how much you want me to go through, but he expounds now Psalm 95. He quotes yeah. from Psalm 95. And well, verse, verse seven is, I think, very interesting just in how he phrases it. As the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, the fact, notice the tense, it's in the present mm-hmm. tense. So how, you know, people are often wondering, how does God speak to me today? I want to hear a word from the Holy mm. Spirit. Here is how <laughs> you hear today in the present yeah. tense, a word from the Holy Spirit. Read the Old Testament scriptures. <laughs> in one sense, l- listen to what yeah. Psalm 95 says. And so the author of Hebrews is saying, here's how you're to hold fast to Jesus. Well, listen to his voice is really what he's saying. Mm. Today, hear his voice. And he goes back to the Old Testament uh, and and quotes that and uses Israel an example in the past of how they didn't heed God's voice, how they continued yeah. to have hard hearts. And he's challenging them not to be like that. And then yeah. towards the end as well, he in, in wants them to keep considering Christ, to keep holding on. How? By verse 13, encouraging and exhorting one another. So I think mm-hmm. those are sort of two main themes to keep holding on to the confidence, keep trusting in Jesus. Well, you need to listen to God's voice, hear his word, and you need to will help one another as well yeah. uh, so that we will not be like those who fell away uh, in the mm-hmm. Old Testament example of the Israelites. Yeah, so here as he's talking about enduring and belief, he's warning them about this failure to enter God's rest. So John, what does it mean when it's talking about entering God's rest? What's it mean both in Psalm 95 and how is he using it here? Well, yeah, as Jeff said, so Psalm ninety-five is 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 meditating on the the book of Numbers and uh, what happens what happens there and the the people who rebelled at at Kadesh Barnea and then um, at Meribah uh, and um, and so they don't get to enter into the land, the promised land, mm-hmm. 
Um, and so that's, that's being used as a metaphor for, um, I, I really think entering into, um, you know, uh, I guess we would say in the new Testament, we would use terms like eternal life or, um, you know, Luke 16, um, Abraham's side or paradise, or, you know, today, to, today you'll be with me in paradise or whatever. Like, yeah. I, I think it's being used as a, as a metaphor for that. Um, so in the same way that those people who rebelled because of their unbelief, as we see at the, at the end, um, they didn't enter into his rest in that time there, there's a rest out there for the people of God. And if you don't, if you don't yeah. listen, if you harden your hearts and if you rebel as they did, then, then you will miss out as well. And so there's a, there's obviously a lot of imagery here, uh, from the book of numbers and, um, yeah. You know, there's a lot we could we could talk about from what's happening, but it's clear here in Hebrews, as as in First Corinthians 10 and other places, that their experience in the wilderness mirrors our experience between hmm. our confession of Jesus and entering into rest, and and there is now this warning here about falling away, and we can we can talk about what yeah. all that means, but yeah, so that, so he's he's making that contrast or that comparison. And saying, "Don't be like them. Learn, learn from them, and and keep listening and keep believing." Jeff, some you know branches of theology or views on theology make a really hard and fast distinction between um, Israel and the church. Looking at a passage like this, that certainly is comparing the two. Do you think this speaks to that at all, or is it just simply an illustration? that applies to uh, the church today? I suppose some uh, might not like that uh, tied as closely together. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think we're all the people of God and God works in us. And just as they were journeying to the promised land, we are journeying to the promised land uh, to enter the rest. And so there is a lot of overlap. God's people, in my mind, are saved the same way in, in the Old Testament uh, by faith as we are in the New Testament as well. Yeah. Now, there's a sticky verse here, I think, in going through is verse 12, because it's it's certainly speaking to Christians, or appears to be, watch out, brothers and sisters. And we know based upon what we learned in chapter two, that we become the brothers and sisters of Jesus. He's not ashamed to call us that because, um, because of his work on our behalf. But he says, watch out, brothers and sisters. Then he warns them about an unbelieving heart. So how could a Christian have an unbelieving heart that turns away from God? John, how would you answer that? Well, I, I would answer it, and I, you know, I, I dealt with this at our conference. Um, I I would deal with it by saying, look, um, we have to hold Scripture together and try to figure mm -hmm. out exactly what these passages mean. So there is there is all kind there are all kinds of texts that talk about the responsibility of Christians to persevere to the end, and and they're just they're yeah. just there. There are also all kinds of texts that talk about the, the, the keeping power of God, the, the preserving power of God, the, the one who's able to keep us from stumbling. Um, and so those are there as well. And, um, and so I think we have to say with 1 John that there, is a, that there is an experiential apostasy 
where people walk mm. away from the faith. But John would say if if that if they if they walk away and they stay away and they never come back, that that would be evidence of, of the fact that they were never truly regenerate in the first place. Um, but what that what that looks like practically and pastorally is as Jeff has talked about in the previous episode, this sermon, this exhortation from the author of Hebrews to these people, just like in any of our churches, it's going to be a mixed, it's going to be a mixed audience. Uh, There's going to be believers and unbelievers, but among the unbelievers, there may be people who think that they're believers. Uh, It's very clear in that we see in scripture, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Mm -hmm. People who are shocked on the final day when Jesus tells them to depart from me, like, so, so not everybody who thinks that they are a Christian is a Christian. So I, I think that these warnings have a twofold function. I think they're genuine, they're genuine warnings. And I, I agree with Dr. Schreiner that they, they are one of the means by which God preserves or causes to persevere true saints. Yeah. And I think that they are also a warning to those who have fallen away experientially that they should be concerned that whatever decision they made back in the day wasn't real if they're not hmm. if they're not in the faith right now. Yeah, if they find in themselves an evil, unbelieving heart. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing is like I always try to tell people this as well. Like when you when you ask, I do this with my stu- I did this with my students a couple weeks ago. Uh, how do you know that you're saved? And the Bible doesn't tell you to 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 point back to, and I'm not saying this is wrong, but to like open your Bible and see written down the date and the time which you prayed a prayer to receive Jesus. That's just like that's just not in the Bible. Um, I'm not mm-hmm. saying it's a bad practice or you know can't be practically helpful. What does the Bible say? Examine yourself to see whether or not you're in the faith. Like, are, are you yeah. believing right now? That that's it. Yeah, and so it becomes a means of both a means of separation for those who don't believe, but also a means of perseverance or endurance for the Christians who are believing. Yeah. Jeff, earlier you said that this this passage would speak to the person who says, you know, I, I want to hear from the Holy Spirit today, and you'd answer that by saying, "Well, read the Old Testament." What about the person who says or gives the advice, like just follow your heart? Like, this is how you should know what to do. Just follow your heart. This, right, is sadly some advice that is sometimes given, whether it's bathed in Christian terms or not. How would this text challenge that statement? Clearly, we can have unbelieving hearts. The heart can be deceitful. Uh, If I was to follow everything my heart and desires wanted, it would not be good. So we we'd have to say our hearts can be badly misguided, our inner thoughts, if that's what they're saying. And that's why we need to hear the the clear words from God through his scripture uh, to align our hearts with that, because you can't guarantee uh, our hearts are always going to be tainted this side of the new heaven. Yeah. So this this passage speaks pretty bluntly to the human condition, but also speaks pretty bluntly about unbelief. So John, it it describes unbelief in verse 12 as evil or synonymous there with evil. And in verse 15, it talks about it being an act of rebellion. I mean, how do we explain that unbelief is is called these things, categorized this way? And 
what might you say to the person who says, well, I'm struggling with doubts. Are you, are you telling me that I'm, those are evil, these doubts I have? Yeah. So one, so let me answer in reverse order. I don't, I wouldn't say doubt. See, see, that's the problem is like, there's a way to doubt that shows faith, an inkling of faith. And then there's a way to doubt that shows Mm -hmm. rebellion. And so the whole, like, I, I believe help my unbelief uh, or, um, you know, when Jesus says to the disciples, are you going to go away? Are you going to leave me too? And and they're like, ah, no, but the only reason we is because we have some awareness that you have the words of eternal life, but uh, we don't understand all the things that you're saying right now. But yeah, but we still know it's you, and so we're gonna we're gonna keep pressing in. Like so, that's that's those are some like doubts or uncertainty or whatever that shows faith versus a skepticism that that shows a rejection of. I just don't know this that these things are true. Like to say I don't think these mm-hmm. things are true or. I'm I'm pretty sure sure these are true. I just can't see it right now. I, I'm trying to work through it. Those are just two different postures, and so I I so that's what I would say. So your doubts are not necessarily evil, depending on if it's a you know depending on your posture uh, in this. Yeah. But I think one of the things that's key here is th- I think the the reason it's called evil and the reason it's called rebellion is because it's you're departing from God. You're you're rejecting God. Um, yes. It's it's later called it's later uh verse eighteen, verse nineteen, unbelief. Why did they not enter the rest? Because they were disobedient. Well, why did they not enter the rest? Verse 19, because they were unbelieving. And and so mm. unbelief is the is the root of disobedience. Un- unbelief is the root of rebelling against God's design and going off on your own way. And I think that's not only just theologically helpful, it's also very practical in terms of how are you going to break the pattern of sin and evil in your life. It's going to be about faith. It's not going to be about white knuckling and effort. It's about, it's about trust, trust in the promises of God. And we, we see that throughout the book uh, of Hebrews. Yeah. Jeff, it says one of the, uh, the graces that God gives us to help us to continue to believe is the relationships we have with other Christians. How have you seen Christians put this into practice. What's it look like for a Christian to encourage another Christian? It says every day. Yeah. I mean, it's exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, there is this emphasis on today, isn't it? Uh, throughout mm-hmm. this passage. So this is something you're to do today. This does show church being involved with God's people is not just attending on a Sunday morning and listening to yeah. Uh, something happening from the front and being a spectator. You are the church. We are to be doing this and encouraging one another. And I think it's, we we had a young adults group meet not that long ago uh, in groups. And we were just saying in today's culture, they're faced with so many temptations. They need one another to spur one another on to say, that's not a good idea. Don't go down that road. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, yeah. And and I can't be doing that with everybody in the in the church. Right. We all need to be doing that. We all need to have time with one another to encourage one another and say that road. Your heart might say, "Do that. Enter into that relationship with that unbeliever." Mm-hmm. The friend who's closer to them has to go, no. And, and I've seen that happen. And that's the sort of thing uh, so that they will not fall away. 
Yeah. John, are there certain questions that you think Christians should be asking each other regularly? Well, let me say this too first. Let me, I'll answer that. But let me say first, that that verse reminds me, as long as it's called today, of Rocky Three, when Apollo Creed tells Rocky, there is no tomorrow. Um, mm. And not, not to get too philosophical, but they're, they're literally, they're, you can't do anything tomorrow. Yeah. You can only do something today. And, and so this whole like uh, idea of like, well, I'll, I'll fight against sin tomorrow or I'll try to hold on to Jesus better tomorrow, or I'll try to get, you know, no, you, you only do that in the, in the present, in, in the today. And so I think that's why he's, mm-hmm. that's why he's saying that. I do think that, yeah, the, the questions that I think that we, um, that we can ask of each other. I mean, I just think very, very practically here, um, like when I was going through accountability, when I do accountability with other people, um, I remember my, my mentor talking about, uh, from Paul where he talks about presenting our members, uh, for sin. And so he's, and just, just thinking about like, he would literally go do, have me do an autopsy, from, from head to toe and basically be like, Hey, so with your eyes this week, how have you done, mm. uh, with your ears and what you're listening to, how, how have you done with your, with your tongue mm. and what you're saying, how have you done? Like, and just go, go through with your hands and, yeah. and, and like, so when it comes to your, your, your body, how, how are you pursuing Christ or not? You know? And, and I think, uh, I think that's very helpful. It was, it was certainly helpful for me as a as a, a younger man. Um, I'm, I'm in the older. I would think I'm in the older of the younger man, or maybe middle aged now. But uh, it's still helpful. It's still helpful. So those kinds of questions yeah. um, would be helpful. Good, Jeff. Any questions you might add to that as a suggestion for Christians to be asking each other in fulfillment of this command? I think we can ask the question. What have you read in the Bible lately? It's a good yeah. question to ask, you know, even from this passage, are we continuing to hear God's voice uh, hear mm-hmm. him? So we can ask that question. What have you been reading lately? And of course, also attending church, if somebody is missing it, uh, what is the reasons behind that? We, yeah. we need one another. We need to hear God's voice to keep progressing. Um, and then depending on the relationships, you know, we you can get more personal with some ones. You can't be maybe asking all the hard questions to random people that you don't have that relationship with. <laughs> right. Uh, so, yeah. But you should have relationships with people and people should have relationships with you where they can ask the hard questions. And mm, so yeah. people like, yeah, to ask, very so very specific like what is not just are you reading but what what are you learning in the scripture mm. um mm-hmm. are you finding it difficult to read it are you finding it difficult to to um to fellowship with god through his word right now or through prayer um are you looking yeah. at pornography are you you know like all those kinds of questions that that we need uh to be able to have the freedom to ask and have a, 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 i agree with jeff that you can't just be asking that to everybody. Um, I remember, um, in a, in a youth group one time, a guy going up to a girl and confessing that he was lusting after her. And we had to like, <laughs> oh, um, okay, you're not allowed to talk to her anymore. We had to like, do like, you yeah. know what I mean? It's like th- that you took that too far. That was inappropriate. That's something that you could share with another <laughs> brother. 
in Christ, but you do not shoot. Probably not her brother. Yeah, not her brother. Or another brother. <laughs> or dad. Um, but, you know, that's, so I agree with Jeff. Yeah. I think we we do need to be careful to say, it, not just anybody in the body of Christ, but you need to have those close relationships where somebody can, like Jeff saying, like, say, hey, I haven't seen you around in a while. What's going on? Yeah. And if you don't have those relationships, that's a red flag right now to say, like, is there an unbelieving heart? Is sin deceiving me if I don't have those relationships? If there's no one who can ask me these questions. When I taught through this, one of the things I encouraged our people to do, too, is to look for evidences of grace in people's lives and point them out. So not just where's the sin, but, hey, I've seen this in you. This is good. This is a God's doing good work because sometimes it can be discouragement that can cause uh, people to fall away or at least struggle with faith is it just doesn't seem like anything's changing. So when you can look at them and say, here's how I see God at work in you, it can be tremendously encouraging. Mm -hmm. Amen. So Jeff, let's end with this. This is a passage. I'm thinking of two people that are listening to you preach this passage in your church. One is the person who claims to be a Christian because you know, it says it so in their Bible somewhere. By that, I mean, like John said, here's the date I became a Christian, but they're, maybe they're not really believing Jesus. Um, and then on the other person, you have, on the other hand, you have a person who they're the smoldering wick that, that Isaiah talks about. There's faith there, but they have a really sensitive conscience. They struggle. Maybe it's those doubts about like, not, is this true, but is it real for me? Am I a Christian? How do you preach this passage or teach this passage in a way that that makes the person who needs to be challenged be challenged and the person who needs encouragement and hope like receive encouragement and hope? How do you handle those two people that are sitting there? It's a good question. I do think we have to preach the tone of the passage. And so this passage is certainly a more hard-hitting passage. This is a challenge. This is today. This is, this is kind of forceful. This could be one of the, one of the hardest, most hardest hitting passage to that apathetic Christian Mm -hmm. who could be drifting away and they need to hear the, the strong tone of this to turn from sin, to hear God's voice and to do it today. Uh, because you do not. So in that sense, this passage, I kind of would trust the sovereignty of God in who this is for this time and preach the main tone of this particular passage. Whilst there will be then the person who is trusting in Christ but is struggling with doubts, and that's when you you do have to put in those clauses. You do have to say, "This may you may be here, and this is not you. You you are clinging to Christ, but you just have some of these doubts, and they need other. That's why Scripture's so rich. They need the the assurance passages, the the Romans eight. Yeah. Uh, but part of me goes with I'm going to let this sermon go with the main force of what it's saying. And it is, Mm -hmm. heed God's word today, help one another today. But maybe in the, for that person who doesn't need that hard, hard hitting sermon, you know, they can be encouraged. And, and, and from verse 13, 
You can help others who, you know, have similar doubts to yourself, uh, but you're still trusting in Christ. You're wanting to fight sin wars. If you're here, you're singing these songs, you're doing all this, and yet your life is completely different, which is actually quite interesting from the Psalm 95. Uh, Psalm, yeah. it's all about praising God for who he is at the start. And then there's this gear shift that he quotes, you know, mm. in verse seven, uh, don't harden your hearts to to God. And that's what will be happening on a Sunday morning. Everybody's going to be praising God. Well, maybe, maybe not uh, singing yeah. the songs, but here is the issue. Do, are you yeah. hardening your heart to God's voice and even what's being said today? So maybe I ducked that question, but I, I probably would let this sermon challenge the, the, the apathetic one more, but bear in mind that other person as well who doubts. Yeah. And I think you're going to find more hope and encouragement even in the next chapter. So mm -hmm. chapter four talks about the rest that we have in Christ, the rest that's come. In fact, that's where we'll be next week. So thank you for listening to the Christ Kind and Clear podcast. Join us again as we jump into this wonderful chapter, chapter four, on the rest that we find in Christ. Thank you for listening to the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast. If you have questions or topics or texts you would like us to consider for future podcasts, please contact us at ChristCenteredAndClear at gmail.com and please visit us at ChristCenteredAndClear.com for more resources.